Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Uh, a nice day in Perth. Another 31 degree day coming up tomorrow. Welcome to Sports Day on this Tuesday. And a big show coming up. We go inside the vaults today to focus on a World Cup event that certainly uh, back in 1986 was one of the most controversial sporting moments in world football and we're talking about this 1986 Azteca Stadium in Mexico this happened just not true of old Atico Achea at the moment but certainly it's been true of the England team haven't seen that much of Hodge or Trevor Stephen Maradona just walked away from Hoddle then So we will focus on that and we'll go back to the 1986 World Cup and speak to a gentleman that was on the pitch and he wasn't that far away from that incident. He played some 46 times for England. He was a star for Everton, over 200 games for the team from Goodison Park. And of course, in 1988, he went north and played almost 200 games for Rangers, talking about Michael Gary Stevens. Gary Stevens, he was affectionately known, and we'll talk to him about the 1986 World Cup because we're getting into World Cup mode now with the tournament getting underway this weekend in Qatar. And also Gary, and I featured him some months ago, has got a very special story to tell, and he lost his son, his four-year-old son, Jack, who passed away following a courageous battle with leukaemia. And Gary has been trying to be, get an awareness about this significant disease in his new home, which is Perth, Western Australia. So we're going to talk about a couple of fundraising events that are coming up as well. So that's uh, going to happen with Gary Stevens not too far away here on the program. Also, we're going to be looking at the Live Golf Tournament. So it's coming down under... And it will be played here at the Grange Golf Club in South Australia, in Adelaide, in April of next year. And Paul Gow is a former 
Australian golf professional. He does some work now for Fox Sports, uh, working in the media. And uh, he'll give us his spin on what's, what this means for Australian golf. And he's quite excited about it. So South Australia won the rights. Reportedly, it was offered to Victoria first up. But they decided to knock it back in favour of the PGA Tour. As we know, two of the big names in world golf that still haven't warmed to the Live Tour is Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. But anyway, he's going to join us a bit later on, Paul Gow. So we look forward to that. Before we continue the program, don't forget that you need to show your support for McHappy Day by purchasing a pair of silly socks from Macca's. For only $5, money raised will go towards Ronald McDonald House Charities as they continue to help seriously ill or injured children and their families. Well, the spin-off to what was a big story yesterday in the AFL regarding the Brownlow medal, and now there's been calls for the Brownlow medal voting to be taken off the umpires in the wake of the betting probe. As we mentioned yesterday, it was revealed that four men had been arrested over suspicious round-by-round betting, including AFL umpire Michael Pell. Pell umpired 16 AFL games this season in what was his first season on the senior umpire list. There's been a number of players that certainly have spoken out. One of those is Brisbane veteran in Dane Zorko, and he's back to change to the voting rules. Just the social media stuff that I've been... um sort of reading and sifting through as they're saying this is another reason as to why umpires shouldn't have to vote straight after the game. Leave it to an expert panel that can decide. Don't leave it up to the umpires. Uh, Take that responsibility off them. I mean, I don't know if that's the way, but now there's three and next year there's going to be four by the sounds. They're going to bring in another umpire. Trying to look at everything that goes on in the game. Everything that goes on with the game, rule changes, decisions in the moment. And now the fact that there's well, there's three at the moment. They're all sort of in different thirds of the ground, so you're not actually seeing mm. who's the most influential the whole mm. time, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I'd give it to a, someone who's who's been watching the game and sitting up high and understands what's happened throughout yeah. the whole game and, and decide from there. That was uh, Dane Zorko on Patton Heels this morning on SENQ on the Brecky Show regarding his thoughts. Of course, Shane McInerney was an umpire with uh, a huge career in the AFL. He umpired from about 1994 and retired in 2019 and also umpired in a couple of grand finals, 2004 and 2007. This is what he had to say. Oh, look, shock's one word. Uh, disappointed. In fact, probably beyond that, it's actually devastating news, Sam. And look, it's probably particularly devastating, you know, for the existing AFL umpiring list to... Uh, certainly in my time, at least anyway, greatly valued the integrity of the Brownlow Medal and certainly saw their role and responsibilities in, the, in its awarding as an absolute privilege. So uh, to have this uh, this news um, come out yesterday uh, is, uh, yes, shocking, uh, as you've just suggested. Yeah, certainly is shocking, and it's uh, shook the foundations of the Australian Football League, and things are getting worse and worse for the AFL. Ever since Gillam McLaughlin announced that he was stepping away from the AFL. Uh, there's some person up there suggesting, Gillian, you're not walking away yet. And all of a sudden, all these obstacles have been put in his way. Just some sports headlines. Uh, thanks to Tire Power, buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres. 
at your local tyre power. Tennis great Novak Djokovic is said to be granted a visa, yes, to compete in next year's Australian Open, where the Serbian will be chasing his 22nd Grand Slam win. As we know, he was slapped with that three-year ban from entering Australia after being dramatically deported on the eve of this year's Open over issues surrounding his COVID-19 vaccination status. But while the vaccine mandate is no longer an obstacle for the former world number one, Djokovic's lawyers have spent months trying to ban the visa ban or have the visa ban overturned. Pat Cummings uh, has put his country before the Indian Premier League millions and decided he won't play in the T20 tournament next year. Uh, The Australian Test and ODI skipper pointed to a packed international calendar that includes a tour to India and Ashes and then an ODI World Cup as reasons for his decision. And for the first time in 17 years, Tim Cahill isn't in Australia's World Cup strike force, but that hasn't stopped the soccer is great from helping out his successes. He's now based in Qatar, Timmy Cahill, and he's pulled on the boots at training, adding to the numbers given uh, the Socceroos squad members have gradually uh, trickled in to their home base. That update for Tyre Power, buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local Tyre Power store. Of course, you can join us on the Temper at Bedshed text line, uh, 0487 736 736. Bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. And you can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Welcome your feedback. Give us your thoughts, anything that's tickling your fancy when it comes to uh, sport, and in particular, the upcoming World Cup. How do you think the Socceroos will fare? And what is the greatest goal ever scored in a World Cup? As we go to the break, again, we'll speak to our guest in the vault, Gary Stevens. He played in the game where it was the hand of God incident And Maradona scored the second goal as well. And this is considered the goal of the century. That ball was played through to him, but here's Maradona again. He has Borchaga to his left and Valdano to his left. He doesn't, he won't need any of them. Oh, you have to say that's magnificent. There is no debate about that goal. That was just pure football genius. And the crowd in the Azteca Stadium stand to him inside one away from another and the coolness under pressure to play the ball home with the side of his foot if the first was illegal the second was one of the best goals we've seen in this championship Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV and Toolmar, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Walker's closing in and now for Walker and Stevens off the line. Brilliant clearance, he's injured. But it saved a goal, there's no question about that. Now Gary Stevens, what a screamer! And so is he. Gary Stevens got the winner against Charlton in the last home game, but surely he's never struck a better one than this. An outstanding uh, footballer, Gary Stevens, uh, played over 200 games for Everton, almost 200 games for Rangers, and represented his country 
46 times, including uh, two World Cups. And, of course, he was there in 1986. He was a crusader for the world of football and helping, of course, England on their way to those World Cups. But he fights uh, a different crusade these days. We'll find out more about that as we go inside the vault now and look at uh, the 1986 World Cup with Gary Stevens. Gary, thanks for joining us on the program. It's great to speak to you again. Good evening, Peter. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. 1986. Does it seem like yesterday? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. My joints don't tell me it's yesterday, to be honest with you, Peter. But, uh, yeah, obviously strong memories of World Cups. They're, uh, you know, I'm incredibly lucky to have played in two. I, I probably didn't realise at the time that uh, the 1986 uh, World Cup would be famous for uh, essentially one big game, you know, our game against Argentina at the time. It was uh, the first time any sports teams had met since the Falcons War, so there was a little bit on that. And then, obviously, the hand of God, and the rest is history. Mm. It was an amazing event, that hand of God. And, of course, uh, Maradona has spoken about that as well. Just have a listen. Uh, Gary Lineker actually spoke to him Gary, uh, before he passed on Diego Maradona, and this is what he said about the hand of God. Just have a listen. It was your hand or the hand of God? It was my hand. With this, I don't mean any disrespect to English fans. But this is something that happens. We used to do this. I had scored goals before in Argentina with my hand. It was a goal that I couldn't reach it, and and Shilton was already there, so I couldn't head it. So I did like that, and I moved my head back. And I started running because I started to run at first. Shilton didn't realize, and the one who told him he was the sweeper, he was the one who seized my hand. When I see the, the linesman running, I go out shouting goal and, uh, and I look behind, uh, behind me to see whether the referee took the bait. And he had. Yeah, it didn't take the bait, uh, did he, Gary? And, of course, uh, Terry Butcher, you told me, wasn't too impressed even after that match. No, I think uh, Maradona's initial reaction was to was to play the fool a little bit and obviously blame God. Uh, you know, we'll come back onto that later. I've got a few things to blame God for as well. But, um, yeah, we sat um, afterwards. We there's, There was random drugs testing at the time, just brought into uh, international football. So it was myself and Terry that were picked from the England squad and it was uh, Maradona. I think it was uh, Jose Brown, I think, or, or their centre-half as well that was picked. So we sat opposite each other in a very small dressing room and uh, you might imagine how things just seized with Terry. He's a big boy um, and he he, he wasn't really into forgiving Maradona on the day. But, you know, listening to Maradona there, he he was obviously a lot more honest and I think we can all admit in in sport that you you run the the rules right up to that line and I know that uh, I've been in teams that have benefited from rather dodgy decisions. Um, when you see Maradona, how he does it, he does it absolutely brilliantly. And the referee was in the same angle as I was. and I couldn't see the handball. We'll, we'll blame the linesman because the linesman was in a, in a very good position. Um, yeah. There's a great shot, actually, that I've got of Maradona about to cross the ball with his left peg and you're advancing, trying to 
uh, block that shot that <laughs> curled into the uh, penalty box, to the England penalty box. Of course, he scored a second goal on the day, and uh, that's classed yeah. as one of the greatest oh. ever World Cup goals. How good was it? I believe he had 11 touches in 11 seconds. Well, you know, I kind of always say this is one of those things where because it was one of the best World Cup goals ever and uh, maybe we can go beyond the World Cup. Um, but uh, he travelled down the, the left-hand side of our, our side, you know, his, his right wing, if you like. So, um, yes, 11 touches. I think he went past a couple of our players twice. He, he, he was very quick, obviously. So, uh, I think his skill was he... he, he he somehow managed to see which which side your weight was on, and he'd go the other way. So he, he sort of he, he wasn't he didn't take you on close. He would take you up at pace, and manage to take it past you because of this gift he had just to see which way you were off balance. Um, and just as he reaches uh, his, his final uh, touch, I come into the scene, and so forever and a day I find myself not quite making that last tackle that last little bit of effort so and it's shown so often and there's mr stevens just coming into the scene <laughs> at the very last minute and uh, yeah it's uh it's one of those things that i'll if i had a dollar for every time i'd seen that uh i might be as rich as yeah. the guy that uh, sold his shirt seven million dollars apparently that's for, right uh, for maradona's shirt on the day yeah do you pinch yourself sometimes well, gary of course you live now just south of perth do you pinch yourself sometimes thinking, I actually played in that game and probably one of the most talked about games in the history of the great game? Well, I think I do. You know, I think when you try to expl- explain to people, that obviously as a, as a professional footballer, that was my job. You know, and every day I'd go to the office and we'd train, we'd play. Some days, I'd, you know, I might have a bad day at the office. Some days I'd have a better day at the office. But um, also as a young bloke, I, I don't necessarily think that you were quite aware of what you were doing. Um, so, yes, I think now I found myself uh, looking back a little bit and trying to gather a few bits and pieces, a few pictures to show my 12-year-old boy. Um, and literally, this month, I've put up my first shirt on the wall from uh, the 1990 World Cup. So that's that's been a 32-year a project, and it's finally gone up on the wall, So uh, along with a, a few caps. Mm. And you do get a physical cap for uh, for games and tournaments, so we've, we've got a few of those on display now. So, yes, I, I think... I think now I'm I'm looking back and thinking, well, maybe should have gathered a little bit more. Maybe maybe it's the passion of my 12-year-old boy that he's got now that's brought me back a little bit to uh, football because I I did take a, a massive step sideways and back from that and uh, lived my life as a I lived my life as a physiotherapist down in uh, Mandra, rural Mandra, and I, I really sort of walked away from football a little bit, passionate about other sports, but uh, yeah, getting back a little bit into football now. You played over 500 games in your senior career. And as I mentioned, you played over 40, oh, 40 times for England, 46 to be precise. We'll get back to what has been a very important crusade for you in recent times. And we're trying to help you increase the awareness. And I know you've got a couple of events coming up uh, in a little while. But just a couple of final questions about uh, the World Cup, the biggest tournament on the planet. When you arrived back at Heathrow Airport in 1986, were the English fans still fuming or frothing at the mouth about what happened? 
Um, oh, I certainly think he wasn't particularly popular in England, yes. And I think a lot of people probably would have strung him up. But um, I think, you know, we probably succeeded. I think every time England gets to the World Cup, I think we're a nation that should at least get to the quarterfinals. The World Cup is, is, I mean, looking at the teams in the World Cup coming up, you can maybe understand it's not an easy competition to advance through. You've got to hit the ground running. You know, you don't have you know many options of, uh, of failing. So, um, and then the 1990 World Cup, we got through to the third and fourth playoff. And, and to be honest with you, I think we we probably should have beaten uh, West Germany in the semi-final. So, having played in at that level in those games at tournaments that big, it's exceptional. You know, and 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 you can take that with you to the grave. It's mm. it's you know it is an amazing uh, represent your country uh, represent your country. 46 times and represent your country in World Cups. Incredible, yeah. It's, uh, I do have to pinch myself. I think you, you probably proved my, your point there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So saying that, yeah. uh, we're about to head into another World Cup. Uh, a few people have been critical of the venue. I'm not going to go into that because of certainly oh, yeah. human rights uh, situations. But uh, a World Cup is a World Cup. And what do you expect to say to, to see maybe over the next month? Yeah, look, you know, I think it is going to be a spectacle. Um, you know, if, if you can say anything about uh, guitar, that you know they've got money, so you know they wouldn't have scrimped and saved. And and you know, politics and sport, let's let's separate them. Um, it might not be the supporters' best place to be, but I'm sure you know from the from day one, you know, uh, Australia, fantastic start for them, tough start against France on the 23rd. Uh, looking at their group, I still fancy them to go through. And uh, the English group looks fairly easy, but there are lots of banana skins. That's the problem in the first round. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm actually in in, in Sydney mm-hmm. for the first game. I've been invited over by Everton there here uh, for a few days. They've got a tournament to play in Sydney, so I've been invited across as, as an ambassador yeah. for Everton, which is, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, and on top of other World Cups, if, if you don't mind me mentioning England's T20 uh, success, that's one of my, my passions, so I'll just uh, I'll cruise on from that. So hopefully that might all go well for the English soccer team. You never know. Yeah, exactly right. Twelve months ago, you were devastated. You lost your four-year-old Jack Stevens, And since then, uh, you've been on a... And I've mentioned the word a couple of times, a crusade, to see what you can do so another family doesn't experience what you experienced. And I know um, you're trying to raise awareness. Uh, Little Jack succumbed to leukaemia. Tell us about that experience and what you're doing to try and, of course, uh, accelerate maybe uh, the need for a cure for this terrible disease. Well, that's right. You know, two and a half years ago, uh, little Jack, just before his third birthday, was diagnosed with a very, very rare leukemia. Uh, you know, it's a journey that you never, ever want to take as a parent. But obviously, once you're on that journey, you have to take it. It's, uh, it's brutal, uh, but you've got hope. You know, you've always got that little bit of a hope, even, even though his prognosis wasn't very, very good at the time. Um, and we travelled through that journey over 18 months. Um, he got a stem cell donation off his slightly older brother Oliver and for 10 months he, he was looking really good <clears throat> but the um, the cancer was very aggressive and, and managed to break through the graft and uh, 
Yeah, he, he, we kind of had a chat at the hospital. There was no other donor um, donors out there. You know, you need a special match. You're not allowed. You can't use the first donor. We couldn't use Oliver again. That's just the medicine. So we were told that, you know, we'd just as well take him home, make him comfortable, and we did that. And yeah, 18th of November. So <clears throat> Friday of this week is a year since his death, and he died with his loved ones around him. And it, it is terrible. It's a brutal journey, but. Moving on from there, the as a grieving uh, parent, that side of things is uh, it, it's just unimaginable. But one of the stresses through that journey is a financial stress because you you know my, my wife had to give up work. I I reduced my hours significantly, so we 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 kind of considered what we were going to do to honour Jack. And my wife put it very succinctly. She said, "Look, we've got." Three children. Well, we've got three boys. We'll always have three boys. We've lost one of them. We've got love enough for the three of them. Each one of them has got that uh, that bag of love, that amount of love, and we we just need to direct that somewhere for Jack. So we opened a charity. We're a bona fide registered charity. Um, our first aim was to raise stem cell awareness because it's quite the process is quite poor in Australia, and we have got health ministers now. It's on the agenda. For them to talk about changing from what is a, a blood dona- a donation to a buccal swab, essentially a, a cheek swab, which is, is cheap and uh, easy easy to do. So hopefully we've made enough noise about that. Our second aim really is, yes, to, to raise money so we can help those bereaved families because you don't just go back to work and you just don't go back to your old life. You you, you, you stagnate for a while. It's it's hard to get out of bed. You, you, you know, going back to work is really difficult. So just to help some of these families in that time, just that little bit of burden off their shoulders. Um, and I guess finally, we'd love to have a um, a grief retreat. And the the aim, maybe long term, is to buy a place that we can say to families, "Come on, we've got a, a place in Margaret River or wherever it is. Come and enjoy some time with your family." Um, gather yourselves and and enjoy some time together with your grieving. Um, so we've got a we've had a few events. We've got a golf day on the second of December, which has gone really well. Lots of great support from local businesses. There are still two holes available for sponsorship. Okay, well I'm going to I'm going to talk to this organisation about it, Gary. So uh, I'll be on the front foot, and I'll be speaking to Craig Hutchison and SEN and see if we can uh, get involved with the golf day. Oh, fantastic! Thank you, Peter. Thank you yeah. very much. So yeah. the golf day, think, um, the golf day again. Just repeating, when is it for those people corporately listening? The second Friday, yeah, Friday the second of December. Mm-hmm. And where's um, it being? Where's it and, being staged? Oh, sorry, yes, Secret Harbour, Secret okay. Harbour Golf Course, which Beautiful. is where we live, which is you know close. And Jack, it's a special place for Jack. Um, and just briefly, just two more things. You know, if if anybody has got an Airbnb out there that wants to donate a week or two you know, as a donation to us that we can pass on to some of these families. Or if anybody out there uh, working for a big company wants to be a long-term partner for us, then fantastic. It's www.forever4evertour.com.au. That would be fantastic if anybody's interested. That's brilliant. All right, we'll follow that through. Gary, thanks for joining us, mate. We will keep in touch. Uh, I've I've kept in yeah. touch with you over the last few months and we'll continue Absolutely. keeping in touch to see how we can go and how far we can take this. 
Mate, we appreciate your time. Uh, good yep, luck, good thanks, luck on the 18th. You, it will be difficult for you and your family, but uh, stay strong and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, matey. Thank good you. Good on you. Gary Stevens thanks. joining us here on Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. If you can help, that would be just fantastic. It's uh, 29 to 6. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, yeah, get behind the Wildcats this season. They're playing on Thursday night at RAC Arena and uh, you can head to tickertech.com.au now to pick up your tickets for Thursday night's encounter or any of their home games coming up. Well, just some uh, big news naturally was Glenn Maxwell. Uh, the fact that he suffered a broken leg after the all-rounder slipped and fell in a backyard uh, during a birthday party and now will be unavailable for an extended period. And the chief executive of the Australian Cricketers Association, his former NRL CEO these days, Todd Greenberg, this is what he had to say. Well, I think it'd be silly for me to say anything other than it's a big blow. Um, it's a great disappointment, first of all, for him personally, because um, I know how much he enjoys playing in this tournament, uh, having spoken to him a number of times. Uh, and it's a blow for people who want to watch, you know, one of their very, very best white ball players play here in this country. So I was really saddened to see that injury. Uh, I do hope that he can turn that around quickly and get himself back on the field. But there's, there's no doubt it's a blow. In saying that, though, we all know in every sport, when someone does get injured uh, or misses selection, someone else gets an opportunity. And there'll be an opportunity. I guarantee you at the end of this summer, you and I will be sitting here talking about a new name who maybe hasn't been well known or heard uh, in the public domain, will step through and get an opportunity to shine. And uh, there'll be a couple of those this year that we don't know about now that will shine at the end of this year. And that's the beauty of professional sport. Uh, someone takes that opportunity and, and will will showcase their skills uh, for the next generation. Todd Greenberg there, the Chief Executive of the Australian Cricketers Association. Maxwell uh, certainly looks set to miss the rest of the summer after breaking uh, that leg at a 50th birthday party in Melbourne. Uh, ruled out of the ODI series against England beginning this week and then will undergo a lengthy rehabilitation after fracturing his left fibula on Saturday. So we'll have to wait and see what the uh, prognosis is on that. On the temperate bedshed uh, text machine, 0487 736 736. We spoke about possibly, uh, you know, Brendan Favola and others, uh, Dane Zorko expressing that uh, maybe the responsibility for the Brownlow medal should be taken away from the umpires. Norman Cowell says, leave the Brownlow alone. It works the way it is. How many people would you need to watch every game with no favourites? Umpires are, as I open up, but the fairest way for the fairest and best award. Good on you, Norm, there in Cal. And, of course, uh, it will continue on for a few days to come. No doubt the investigation is continuing. All right, after the break, uh, I'll speak to Paul Gow, uh, former Australian golfing professional, He's going to talk about the Live Tour that's coming down under, headed by the CEO of Live in Greg Norman.
It was an interesting process. I put together a task force of my team. I sent them down here months and months ago. I gave them about 24 of the, my favorite golf courses in, in Australia. Um, but because of the footprint of what Live is and the, and the logistics that are needed, we had to break that down. So they came back with uh, eight golf courses. And now, obviously, you've got to talk about partnerships. Uh, and that partnership comes with governments, right? And my initial call with the Premier went off extremely well. And obviously, my connection here in Australia, South Australia, um, is goes deep, goes back beyond 1976. To be honest with you, with my family, uh, my from my father's side, landing in Port Lincoln. So um, there's a lot of uh, close ties here, and so for me, with the negotiations that started taking place at lightning speed, considering we're going to be here in April, as you say, uh, I was very, very proud of the fact that they stepped up to the plate and uh, wanted it. The enthusiasm was there, the support was there, and now to see the delivery that we can do from a tourism and an economic standpoint to the state um, is important, but from a lift perspective, golf. I'm so proud to bring some of the best of the best of the game of golf to this state and, and to Australia. And Australia is going to enjoy that. I know they're going to enjoy and love the platform and the footprint we've got. There you go. Greg Norman, the CEO of Live Golf. And yesterday, Adelaide won the race to host the first Live Golf tournament in this country with international stars, including our very own Cameron Smith, set to tee up at the Grange Golf Course in April next year. We're going to discuss that and also what's going to be a huge summer of golf here in Australia with a former Australian uh, professional golfer, certainly a great golfer in his time, and now he's involved in producing golf programs uh, that are aired on Fox Sports and, of course, very much involved in the media side of golf. We're talking about Paul Gow, and Paul joins us on the program now. Hello, Paul. Thanks for your time. Yeah, no problem. Uh, how big will this tournament be in Adelaide next April, do you think? Yeah, massive. Uh, you know what? We struggle to get the best players in the world down to our uh, down to our shores. We're an island a long way away from the US, and the American players don't like to travel that much. They travel like prawns some days. They, they stink after about two days. So um, just to get them here. Like, uh, we haven't seen Phil Mickelson here other than a President's Cup um, when he has to come. Um, Dustin Johnson, we really haven't seen other than a President's Cup. So, you know, with this live tour, you know, they're contracted to go to these places and, you know, are basically told get on the plane and, and go and play. So it's huge. You know, we might never see these players again if there's no more live events here. So your thoughts when you first heard about the saudi back live tournament and Greg Norman trying to get it up, there was a lot of... A pushback, and even some of the major players like Rory McIlroy are still pushing back on it, as is uh, Tiger Woods. What were your initial impressions, and have they changed over time now with the announcement of this golf tournament at the Grange in Adelaide next April? No, mine haven't changed from day one. Um, mine has been, this is fantastic. This is going to rock the world of golf, and the US Tour the, really has dictated world golf and destroyed the Australian Tour. Um, from when I played and we had a, you know, a plethora of great players come back and play on our shores, you know, like the Peter Lonards, Craig Parry, Dean Baker Finch, Greg Norman himself, when the US Tour decided to do a wraparound season, which started from October and went you know, all the way into next season, uh, it destroyed our tour down here, what we call our summer of golf, because none of us could come back and play because you're so worried about keeping your playing rights for the following year. So players would keep playing. And then what that sort of steamrolled into, we did get a 
uh, you know, a number of American players like the Payne Stewarts of the world, Brad Faxon, Marco Mirrors, they would come down and play three or four weeks across our summer. They loved it down here. They watch Americans all watch our tour down here. But when the wraparound season was made on the US, it actually hurt a number of tours around the world, including the South African tour, the Asian tour, the Canadian tour, all these other tours. Uh, we were told in the time, because I was still playing back then, that you know there was an alliance with our tour, and I don't think that's happened to the to the greatest degree because players have stayed there and played. So, um, in like any business, this is a great disruptor. Is it great for world golf? I'm not quite sure how that will pan out, but um, I, I'm I'm all for it. Let's uh, let's play and see if we can get some of our players back on these shores. It was an interesting point you make because the USPGA Tour does not uh, play top tier tournaments here in Australia with the big names. They're only lured here for the Presidents Cup, and of course that was last contested in Melbourne, I think in 2019. So we've been devoid. Okay, we've had COVID, but we have been devoid of the big names coming down here, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. And we've got to pay in a bucket load of money. Like, it's not cheap to bring them down here. McElroy wants a couple of million to be here. Tiger's about $4 million. So the state government have to throw in all this money to get these one and two players along. Yeah, and granted, they, they do change the, they, they change the amount of people that come through the gates, especially Tiger Woods. You know, it's been marvellous when he's come down here. Um, it's like the Beatles somewhat. <laughs> but even the second and third tier players that we have to pay, you know, Golf Australia and the PGA of Australia have to pay like exorbitant amounts of money to, to get them, like half a million bucks to, you know, that sort of stuff to get them to play. And, um, you know, our players pretty much come back for free because they just want to play in front of the um, hometown. So th- that's where it's been, you know, sort of all convoluted since 2013. And our PGA of Australia have done a fantastic job just to keep some sort of pathways other than COVID uh, alive to this point for our young players to come through. Now, when I played back 2001, two, three, and four on the US tour, uh, we had 23 golfers from Australia on that tour. We're batting above average, but now they're down in the fives and six and sevens, and it's purely because the pathways have not been able to um, you know, hone their games against the best players in the world that would come here and play. Yeah, interesting, actually, with the Grange, uh, the fact that it has hosted major professional events over the years, including the West Lakes Classic. You would have played in that. And I think Greg Norman actually claimed his first professional victory back in 1976 at that very golf course. So it probably brings back fond memories for you. Oh, yeah. No, the, the Grange is great. I was only over there recently. It's a beautiful facility. Norman, you know, redesigned it, so he's got a bit of a a passion for that place. But really, I think the Grange was picked uh, on the back of the size of the venue. Um, they, If you think about the Live Tour, it's it's different to a PGA Tour setup. It's a shotgun start for 48 players. So they have to have a range that requires 48 bays for guys to warm up at the same time. Um, they've got music, they've got stands, they've got everything. So you need a venue that actually um, can you know, facilitate that. And a lot of our venues here in Australia, unlike country clubs in the US and different parts of the world through Asia where they have been playing, can accommodate. And I believe that's going to be maybe their biggest issue down here to be able to find a facility that's big enough to do it. We know Royal Melbourne can do it because it's done a a President's Cup before, but um, I think we're limited to venues. But the Grange will be a great venue. It's a beautiful golf course. It's It's a fabulous town. And, um, you know, I think all the players that haven't been to Australia will enjoy it. Yeah, the Victorian government reportedly knocked back an approach from Liv 
preferring to side with the PGA in the golfing battleground. But, of course, let's look at the Australian summer. And you've got the likes of, you know, the British Open champion, Queenslander Cameron Smith coming here, fellow uh, Live Rebel Mark Leishman, a couple of the big Aussies, Adam Scott, Cameron Davis. They'll all return home this month for a series of tournaments starting with the Australian PGA in Brisbane. And that'll be, be big in its own right. Oh, it's huge. It's Ken's uh, uh, back door, and we haven't seen him, obviously, since he's won the Open Championship. Well, we haven't seen these guys for three years. Um, you know, Ken Smith, Mark Lushman, and Adam Scott have been fantastic for Australian golf. They're, they're great ambassadors. They do come back when they can. Obviously, COVID sort of hit them the last few years. Um, and for them to come back, like a young Jed Morgan and a Louis Dobler, who are the, the kids that are on the rise, to play alongside these players, that elevates it again. So that will then progress through to, you know, these players getting on the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour or the Live Tour, whatever tour it may be, it'll help them get through just playing alongside these players. And I'm, I'm expecting massive crowds at Queensland this year at the, at the Royal Queensland Golf Course because, you know, you have got Adam Scott, who is a Queenslander, uh, and Ken Smith, and that will be huge. So, yeah. uh, and... Yeah, I've got the young players too, the Minji Lees and Win Woo Lees and Hannah Greens and Kari Webb and Grace Kim, these guys that have played Jason Scribner, who's been over on the DP World Tour. They're all coming back to play too, and I think it'll be a good tussle for sure next week. Yeah, it was interesting you actually answered my next question. We're pretty proud here in Western Australia. Uh, a couple of young kids from uh, the city of Fremantle golf course there in Minwoo Lee and, of course, Minji Lee, Hannah Green, outstanding. I tell you what, uh, the next generation of golfer coming through, both on the women's side and the men's side, is quite uh, promising from Australia, isn't it? Oh, well, especially over there where you are, there's a coach called Richie Smith, and he has got some sort of remedy. I don't know if it's a drink that he gives them, but <laughs> they come out with Game Plus. Now, I've seen... Uh, Minji at an early age, Minwoo Wu at 14 years of age. And I thought, gee, where are, how are these kids playing? Like, it was ridiculous how far they were hitting the ball. And, and Scrib, I played a bit with early days. He's just got better. And, and Hannah Green and, and Jared Felton, they're just, they're just superstars. So I don't know what you've got over there, but I'll tell you what, you're producing a few good ones. And, you know, they are, they are the summer of golf. And now the, the Australian Open and the the Australian PGA Championships have got men and women in the same event, you know, different events, but in the same event. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's, you know, we get to see the world's best women. You know, um, you know Min G was up to number two in the world at one stage during the year, you know, major champion herself and same with Hannah. So we, we haven't got enough time over the years to see our best women players like Kari and, and like Jan Stevenson and players like that. So it'll be fantastic to see him on our screens, that's mm. for sure. As we let you go, Paul, and we appreciate your time, what is the one single thing you're looking forward to this big summer of golf here in the land down under? Oh, the emergence of that kid that we go, wow, that's the next one we're going to follow. And I, I think, you know, from all the eras that come along, from the Greg Norman eras, from the Peter Thompson, there's always somebody that comes out um, that, that is just exceptional. We've got Harrison Endicott who's coming back. He's got his US Tour card through the Corn Ferry. He might be the one. Louis Dobler, I'm banking on him having a, a good summer of golf. And it's just good to see him on our screens. Now we've got 16 events on Fox Sports that we can follow these kids now. And we haven't been able to do that in a long time. You know, from the Bob Shearers and Ian Stanley's were household names. You know, we haven't had that in the last 10 years. So um, I'm looking forward to find the next 
girl or boy who are going to be our superstars. Yeah, good man. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Much appreciated. You've given us a great little snapshot into the world of golf. And we'll keep in touch here at SENWA, particularly with Sports Day, my program. Thanks for your time. No, thanks for having me. Paul Gow, former Australian professional golfer, joining us here on Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Thanks for your time. Tomorrow, our regular segment is getting to know you, so we'll bring you a sports person that you'll get to know a bit better uh, over time in relation to their background, where they've come from, and maybe some bits and pieces you didn't know about them. That's tomorrow. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Jimmy, and thanks, Lee. And I'll catch you tomorrow from 5 here on SEN. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.